0: Episode 143 is here, everyone, with Carly Israel, co-parenting coach who helps people navigate the emotional process of divorce, the D word, the word that scares the crap out of so many people, Uh, and uh, rightfully so, because divorce can be an emotional process and uh, a process that nobody really wants to go through. You know, you don't get married to get divorced. You get married to stay married, but uh, unfortunately for many people, that's not the way it goes, including myself and uh, then you have to navigate and, and try to figure out how do I best manage this process. That's where somebody like Carly comes in and helps you. Uh, very insightful episode and I think we will provide a lot of value to people listening there's a lot of people going through something, a lot of people that may be going through issues in their in their relationships, in their marriages. And this episode is uh, full of information and insight and might give you a little bit of wisdom and ways to look at your situation and better help you analyze your, your own situation. So uh, thank you, Carly, for coming on. Before we get there, if you have not yet, everybody, please subscribe to the podcast, whether you're doing it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or somewhere else please subscribe. Uh, The five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts are coming in. I think we're in the 60s at this moment, so if you can just click that five-star, and uh, that allows this podcast, The Optimal Life, to continue to rise in the ranks and gets pushed out to more and more people. So if you find value in what you're listening to and you appreciate everything that you're getting from these podcasts, I would only ask that you just give us the five-star rating and would be much, much appreciative of that. With that said, everybody, as I told you before, be prepared to be blown away by this very insightful episode with the one and only Carly Israel.
1: The Optimal Life.
0: Carly, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm happy to finally connect with you. It's been uh, it's been what, 4 or 5 weeks of this trying to get on the schedule. Maybe even longer. I-
1: I think it just shows that we both are really interested in connecting and we're both like respectful that our lives are insane.
0: <laughs> well, like you were just saying, it's 2020. So right. 2020 is like the asterisk year, the year that never yes. happened. Um, so we were just talking before. Why does divorce uh, have such a negative connotation? Why does the word divorce?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know how old you are. I'm 41. How old are you?
0: I'm 39.
1: Okay. So growing up when we did, the friends that we knew and the people that we knew got divorced, it was always talked about like, oh, her parents are divorced. And that meant there was going to be therapy sessions for the kids and the parents were going back and forth and they were putting the kid in the middle and it was dramatic and on TV sitcoms, it was dramatic. And so when I was going through my divorce, everyone was like, you're going to screw up your kids and everyone's going to be miserable and you're, you're going to hate your ex and it's going to be a miserable process. And I was like, I don't want that, <laughs> right? Who who wants to be miserable? But I also want to like dispel the rumor, nobody wants to get a, to get a divorce.
0: Right. So it's just but, the, you think it's tied to the, you think it's tied to just what we were taught our generation growing up? I uh,
1: think it's not just that. I mean, yes, we saw a lot of miserable stuff that wasn't made up, mm-hmm. but... I also don't believe that that's my only path. And so when I was going through my divorce, I rejected that idea that my life was going to be miserable, my kid's life was going to be miserable, because what I always tell my clients is that no good marriage ends in divorce. And so when someone is going through the process of divorce, I tell them that they have a choice. You can go down that miserable path or you can find a different way. And that's what I did.
0: Mm. How long ago was that when that you got divorced?
1: Uh, about five years ago, separation was a little bit more, and I found, I'm sure, mutual friends because it's a small little Cleveland world, but I found a guy named Scott Simon. You know Scott?
0: Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. I don't know him personally, but I think I know You'll him. You'll want yes. to have him on because he's okay. fabulous.
1: And we um, are Facebook friends, but you know how you can be Facebook friends with someone but you have no idea who they are and you like wouldn't even speak to them at Starbucks if you saw them?
0: Yeah, that's like 80% of my Facebook friends
1: yeah so um something inside of me said, Carly, you need to reach out to this guy and the reason why was I, he was known around town as a happy divorce guy, which is like an oxymoron and I went <laughs> to his house one night and we sat on his couch and he told me about the concept of the North Star. Uh, will you, you hear me so I can share it with you
0: I, I, I was gonna ask you to please explain. because <laughs> well, I saw on your website I saw on your website the North Star divorce okay. so yes please do.
1: Okay, so he said that when sailors are lost in the dark and they cannot find their way home, they look up to find the North Star. And when they find it, then they always know which direction is home because the North Star is constant. He said that my three boys would need to be my North Star and that when I was going through the you know tumultuous process of divorce and then post-divorce, just living in two different houses, I needed to look to them and that when I focused on what was best for them, I would always be guided to my home Which to me was I didn't want to mess up my kids And I wanted to have A fulfilling life Sure So that was how We ended up telling our boys um, My husband Which is not my my concept I, I stole it from someone But I love it My husband and I
0: Both told our <laughs> boys About the concept like Of the it. North Star Yeah And
1: um, I have the tattoo On my arm And he has it on his arm but It's just one and only And it's my one of many And our our goal was that we're going to do this differently. We we sold our dream house, bought two houses in Shaker four blocks away, and we went on this path of we're not going to talk badly about each other, we're not going to put our kids in the middle, and, you know, there's been some bumps in the road, but I found on this path my purpose because once you are doing something well, people come up to you and they're like, how are you doing this? Mm. And that's how I ended up becoming a co-parenting coach.
0: So when you were going through this problem, take us inside, if you would, uh, with with what you're comfortable sharing. Uh, There comes a point in time, how long were you married for? Um, So we were
1: married for like 11 years. And um, I'm happy to take you I always. I'm an open book. I just had my memoir come out, Seconds and Inches, and I pretty much lay it all out in the line there. Um, Beautiful. I did not share everything in that book because out of respect for my husband who wanted me to not write it at all and I can tell you that a couple of things I do not believe and like let's put aside anyone that is like a pathological liar or has mental issues just like two regular married people I do not believe that one person wants a divorce and another one doesn't I think that that question, when someone gets a divorce or you find out one of your friends are getting a divorce, the first question you ask is, who wanted it? Right. I hate that question. Right. Um, That is so ignorant, thinking one person wanted a divorce. Whether the other person verbally said that they want it, or they said it with their inaction, or their neglect, or the things that they contributed or didn't contribute to the marriage, it takes two. And um, were you a good student in school, or were you a
0: naughty student? Uh, it depended on like the, the week or the month, but I I, I was I had great potential, I'll put it to you that way. I was both,
1: <laughs> but yeah. what I can tell you is I hated more than anything when a teacher announced that there was going to be group projects.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Did you like group the- No, I hated group projects, especially in college when we'd have to meet at the library on like 8 p.m. on a Sunday night.
1: I hated them for a different reason. I hated them because I hated having to depend on someone else pulling their weight. I hated that if it wasn't going to be done right, that I was going to have to pick up the slack. But that no matter what, regardless of who did it, if I was in the group project, we were going to get an A. Because I had learned a long time ago that you have to keep your outsides looking good. And so I always say to my clients that a marriage is the only group project that you cannot do by yourself. Uh. So, you know, you can make it look like that by yourself. Like on Facebook, our social media, we look great as the married family. But it takes two people to keep it alive. It's the only living and breathing thing that needs both parties involved.
0: There's a lot of people listening that are going through this, whether they want to admit it or not. I mean, it affects so many married couples. Um, different levels to it, of course. So, people that are going through it, back to where I was going before it was, tell us a little bit about how, how do you start coming to the realization like, hey, this might not be a lifelong partnership and what are the first steps that you start putting into place in your process?
1: Sure. Um, so for me, I'm, an, I'm very, very good at communication. Just, you know, like the no-brainer is communication is the most important thing in marriage. And um, before I answer that question, I want to ask you something in, to help you with that. Do you know, so I do anonymous surveys just so I can get like the pulse of our people. Do you know, like putting communication aside, because that's the solution, what the top three for married with children couples are for married or divorced couples that are having a hard time? These are people who have had a hard time, but stayed married or had a hard time and got divorced. What their three big issues are?
0: Well, I don't, but I can guess. Um, Yeah, what do you think? I would think finances is one. Uh, I would think intimacy and the relationship would be potentially one, Uh, you know sex, intimacy and um, the third one I would say maybe trust
1: Okay, so close, you got two out of three so money and kids are the number two and number three and the biggest, 80% of the couples I have letters and surveys from is physical intimacy and sex Mm. because it's not something we talk about it's just like a taboo topic so anyways going back to that with mine we had um on paper awesome relationship we looked perfectly for the world we looked like a great couple we had three kids boom 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 like 16 19 months apart and then one of our kids had a crazy medical journey that's been really really scary and that's not the reason why our marriage ended up Cracking, but I truly believe that if the foundation of a marriage, which ours was not, is not actually built on something solid rather than what looks good on the outside, then it is not going to be able to withstand the stresses of life that are going to happen to everybody. And we went to marriage counseling for six years on and off. We went to three different marriage counselors. I used my words. Um, one key thing for anyone listening that's in a marriage that's kind of struggling. If one of the partners says, I'm not happy about X, Y, and Z, I want this, I want to be connected, I want this, and the other person answers with, I'm fine, then that is someone who is not being a partner. Because if one person is not happy, then the other person says, crap, I'm on a team with this person, even though I don't feel what they're feeling, I need to get on board and we need to work together, like that class project.
0: Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. So you guys were in ther- in and out of therapy for quite a while, like half yeah. of your marriage. Yeah. Um, and you're realizing through those years, it's just what what happens towards the end. It's just not working.
1: So there's no infidelity. There's no physical bruises. Um, what there was, at least from where I'm coming from, and you know, everyone's got their own side. Is there's neglect. Mm. There's just emotional neglect, physical neglect, sexual neglect. You know, just it's just feeling alone, feeling like you're doing it all by yourself. And, you know, you asked before what was wrong, like why couldn't you see this as your lifelong partner? What I saw was, and I literally Googled, should I stay for the kids? And it ended up being my first um, writing about this that I submitted to Huff Post that just like went viral. It got so many people mad because what I was talking about was uncomfortable. Sure. And I thought that you're supposed to stay for the kids. But what I've since found out is that's like the worst thing you could possibly do. If you're truly not right if you guys don't if you're not a good team if they're not your favorite person if you don't want to hold hands with them and face the waves for the rest of your life because what i was seeing around me was the kids are going to grow up and leave and then what like is this the person you want to be with forever and for me it wasn't even though i wanted it to be so badly. So when we went through the actual process of divorce, it was really, really painful because it's like the death of a dream that you had.
0: It is, yes.
1: Um, One of the things I do as a co-parenting coach that I actually find to be so much better than marriage counseling, and I have people that are amazing marriage counselors, but this specific thing I do is called figuring it out. And people will come to me, they'll usually message me and they'll be like, hey, do you know a good marriage counselor? And I'll be like, ha, ha, ha. Um, the reason is it's because it's not easy to find someone who can help you sort through this stuff and so yes I know great marriage counselors but what I do is I offer this session called figuring it out where I sit down with the couple so it's either the couple or it's one like let's say it was you and it's not you but let's say it was and you're like I'm struggling I'm going back and forth I don't know what to do I would either do this session with you one on one virtually or I would do it with you and your partner it's better with the partner because then it's all out on the table right so what we do is we, I have them fill out a very short form of really uncomfortable questions. And then I compare the questions. And then we, I say to them at the beginning of the call, we're about to have the most uncomfortable discussion of your lives. <laughs> and I just lay it out. I'm like, you said this and you said this. Because sometimes they don't even tell each other those things. Right. And then I ask them questions in front of each other that are really, really uncomfortable. Do you want to know the most uncomfortable one? Absolutely. So let's say we went through everything. And there's lots of feelings. And then I say to them, if there were no children, do you know what you would wanna do? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. And
1: one person always says yes immediately and the other person says, I'd stay. And the person that says yes immediately is the person that would leave in a second, that would've left years ago if there weren't children. And you know, the question that was brought to me by one of my clients was, would you want your marriage for your children? And that was ultimately what broke, you know, the straw that broke my back.
0: Oh, that's powerful.
1: Right? Thinking about my son in his 30s coming to me after he was going through marriage counseling and all this back and forth and being brutally honest and all that hard work. Right. And me having to look at him in the eyes because I didn't do what I needed to do and say, son, you have to stick it out. You don't leave. Sorry. I didn't want to have to look at my son who was so real and so broken and tell them they had to do something that I did because I was... Too afraid to
0: admit my truth. Oh, that's that's powerful. That's a really strong way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so, so back to so you're going through the process, and you said when you're like laying there at night and you feel empty or you feel alone, when you when you are having intimacy, if there was still intimacy, are you does does it feel different at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean the intimacy was based on what he wanted at that time. Um, I since have found out that I I have a different sexual appetite than he did and that's something that we don't talk about when you're like mating and figuring out like is this the right person for me you're like what do they do for a living what is their family like what's their religion do they want kids and you don't ask those questions about sexual chemistry and appetite because here's the truth in the beginning everyone's like bunnies right if you're lucky right and what I was told growing up was you don't live with somebody until you get a ring on the finger because why buy the cow all that jazz I actually think so differently now I think you should be with somebody for a really long time before you get married you should walk through like a death of a family member you should walk through like a pandemic or something like so you can see how do they deal with hard things percent. anybody can deal with easy things together
0: 100% yeah right? I, I think people need to live together you got to live life together
1: I you know, but do you it don't. All. I mean, I right. didn't. I was like, you know, the clock was ticking at 24. My family was like, <laughs> when are you going to get married? I'm Jewish. Like At 19, they're like, when are you going to get married? And I had no idea what to look for. I looked for a nice Jewish boy that wanted to live in Cleveland, and I found it. And he is a nice Jewish boy. He's a great human and a great father. We're just not right for each other as husband and wife, as partners.
0: So when you guys uh, went through this, and you guys start talking about, uh, maybe this is not, it's not working. Um, what, what are the things that, you know, what are the things that you guys are, uh, what are the hot button topics as you're going through this to sort it all out before you actually pull the trigger and get divorced?
1: So I, I guess you could boil it down to this. I wanted more of him. I didn't want him to be different. I didn't want him to change. But I think when you want someone to be something that they're not, that's not loving them, but ultimately I did not love him as he was. I wanted him to be more communicative. I wanted him to want me more physically, emotionally, all of those ways sexually. I wanted him to share more of himself with me. I wanted to spend more time with him. I wanted to be partners. I wanted a soulmate.
0: Yeah.
1: And he wanted me to want less of him. He wanted me to just be okay with what it was. He wanted me to stop talking about all this stuff. He wanted me He just wanted to stay the what it was. He wanted like it to not have he didn't want to have any of these discussions. And When it came down to it, and I have this scene in my memoir, we were sitting in our king-size bed in our beautiful home, our design home that we built on land my family gave us that we couldn't afford, and we're sitting there in this outwardly beautiful place, and I said out loud to him, you want less of me, and I want more of you, and he's like, yeah, I guess if you put it like that, yes, I want you to want less of me, and I and I want you to stop asking more of me, and... I'd worked at the time, you know, I'm sober, I'm a recovered sober woman, at, right now I'm almost 22 years sober, but at that time I was like, you know, last, and I worked my ass off to get to a place where I liked myself as is, and I just remember being like, I'm no longer going to change the size of myself in order to fit something, and I knew, I, I also, you know, full disclosure, had started a completely non-sexual friendship with mm. a guy um, who found out on Facebook about a documentary that I was a part of because of our son that was sick Right. and he had lost his daughter um, to cancer and we became friends and I had told my husband I was completely transparent I, I said I'm talking to him every day on messenger we're friends, we text there's nothing sexual, it's, we're just becoming friends and he said that's fine and I can wow. tell you, I'm remarried, and I would never be okay with that. Like, I would be like, are you kidding me? Um, and we became friends, and he his marriage was falling apart, and my marriage was falling apart, and I would tell him, you need to go to therapy, you need to do this for her, you need to do this for her. And I kept telling my husband, like, I'm starting, you know, to really get close to this person, and he, he just kept saying, as long as you don't have sex with him, I don't care. And... You know that to me, like right now, when I say it out lot, it sounds ridiculous. You know, like I'm having an emotional relationship and eventually an emotional affair with a man that's not my husband, and my, my current husband doesn't care.
0: Yeah, that's that's brutal. Because in, in my opinion, I think that anybody that has the remote, even communicating an, an emotion, the emotional relationship to me is arguably even more. Oh um, yeah. Even because more sacred. Can be physical, yeah, it's even more yeah. sacred. It's it's even more intimate in a way than the physical touch. If someone's having an emotional relationship, isn't that cheating? I mean that's cheating in my I, opinion. A hundred
1: percent. And yeah. I told him. I'm like and, and towards the end, like at therapy number two or three, like at the you know, relationship counselor, marriage counselor number two or three, I mean there was never a time I lied. I said and I never touched this person. He lived in another state, we never even hugged. We, like, visually nothing. And so I said, like, in counseling, I've fallen in love with this person. Wow. I've emotionally fallen in love with this person. I've never touched them. I've never done anything. But they became my best friend. And I wanted my husband to be my best friend, and he didn't want to be my best friend. He wanted to work 14 hours a day. He wanted to keep going. And I said, let's sell our dream house. Let's go to a smaller house. Let's move to Israel. Like, I didn't want to lose my marriage. Right. Can't, it does, and I, what I always say today is that kind of space, whether it's a physical relationship or a sexual relationship or an emotional relationship outside of uh, marriage, doesn't happen by itself.
0: Yeah can Can you ever come back? Let me ask you: Can you ever come back if if your partner is in an emotional relationship with another person? Um, is there any way to salvage that marriage?
1: A hundred percent. And how so? Um, so that that's uh, something else I do in that figuring out session is I say to the if I have two people, I say if 1% of each of you wants this marriage to work, go make it work. Like one of the things I do at the end of it is I give them their options because that's just the black and white. You can stay in this and do nothing and keep going. You can work your asses off. Like cause here's the thing. One of my friends, um, her name's Nikki. She's awesome. She and I actually both got married a week apart and got divorced about a year and a half apart and she's also sober and we talk about this con- concept called 17 miles and she said we found ourselves deep 17 miles dark into the lost woods and we're here and we've realized we need to get out there is no like i know in this society we can just order anything or you can pay someone to do something but there is no paying someone to pull me out of those woods i have to if i want out i have to walk those 17 miles back and that's the same thing in a marriage if you both want out like out of the darkness and back to your to your partnership there's work to be done there is no way to just make a decision after you've gotten to that place that we need to get back and not do the work every day
0: that's uh yeah that's interesting and powerful and um wow my
1: husband wanted to do the work after i finally was done So, like, I was saying to him all, like, for six months, I was like, this is how I feel. I'm considering leaving. And I never threw that word around. Like, I was not someone who used that. I was calm. Right. And the first time I told him, he, we sat in our room for 20 minutes. And then he said, can I go watch the Cavs game? And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, If you, if my husband said that to me, I would be up all night long calling people, figuring it out. What are we going to do? Like, that's the." the end of my world and he said at the end, I didn't think you were serious. Like after all of it. And I'm like, are you, I I don't know how much more but I guess that's the basis is like maybe in a relationship where one person's speaking, the other person can't hear them. Can and you- that's that's just sometimes because the two people are not right for each other. And so what I want everyone to understand is I refuse to call my marriage a failure.
0: Can you uh, salvage a marriage when there's been infidelity sexually, physically?
1: You can. Um, it's up to each person. I have a woman I met who's a betrayal coach who her husband had a massive affair. They had four kids. And she ended up creating this this basically this company like, about betrayal transformation. But she says the only way you can do it is if both parties change and, and transform and become different. I personally would never um, because of trust, but that's because I walk into my marriage with a whole boatload of trust issues from you know my childhood. Mm-hmm. So everyone's different, um, and it's something that I'm remarried. I ended up marrying that guy that I had an emotional affair with, wow. and um, we have a very untraditional marriage. But what I, we talk about openly is if either one of us has infidelity, even though it would kill us because we want to be with each other forever, we would walk away because it breaks something inside of the marriage that, even if you work your ass off to get it back, will always have a broken part. But that doesn't mean it's not successful and you can't do it. I just personally wouldn't. Would you?
0: You know what? Uh, I-, I believe I'd be able to do it. Um, under certain circumstances, the physical stuff. What would they be? Well, I, I just think that it would take a lot of years of of rebuilding trust, and I don't know all the steps. I, you know, I'm divorced recently for two. It's been two years now.
1: Congratulations.
0: So yeah, it's actually been like we just almost missed the made the two year anniversary was like a week or something ago. So uh, how this, are you
1: guys as co parents?
0: I gotta say, I really think we we've done a pretty good job at meeting that North Star criteria. I'm so
1: proud of you. Let me, I'm yeah. going to give you some questions for that. Are sure. you showing up at events together? Like not driving together, but like at an event you'll like be in the same section?
0: We have. Yes, we have. Awesome. Yeah. Birthday parties? Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Do you ever talk negatively about your other co parent to your kids? Never. Uh, and you don't use them as a go-between?
0: Never. No. We, awesome. And I
1: mean, you guys are acing it. My two biggest rules are you're never allowed to talk negatively. And if you're at a, an event together, if you're at an event for your kid you stand in the same section or sit in the same section
0: yeah no we've actually done a great job i mean listen we were we're still friends we're friendly you know we we uh we have we, we're connected forever as you know and wait you
1: just said it you have to be right you're connected forever what people yeah. think they misunderstand is that you're only going to be connected to that person until your kids are out of the house mm-hmm. that's complete insanity you're connected to that person until you die
0: right right we're connected forever and you know what it's uh it's actually worked out. It, listen, I'm not going to lie. The first year after the divorce, I had a lot of ups and downs cuz I was going through all my firsts. I had to go yes. through like this first birthday and this first holiday and this first yes. whatever. And uh trying to refigure out who I am cuz it's been, you know, t- 12 years with somebody or whatever it was. And uh here I am in my late 30s, a completely different person than I was at 24, 25. And uh, going through that first year was, it was a roller coaster. But you know, the waves were, were while the waves were super choppy and vicious at times in the first few months, um, each quarter, each like 90 day period, yeah. I would recognize and say, okay, it's, you know, the, the what was once a tsunami is now maybe just a, a tidal wave. And then it's become yep. smaller once and smaller and smaller. Yeah, and then, you know, after I got through my first year of um, really mourning the loss of the relation, you know, mourning the loss, yeah. mourning something that was once there and, and it's no longer. It was able, it was a really healthy thing for me. I'm only speaking on my behalf. I can't speak for my ex. I don't know exactly, but right. it was a really help, healthy thing for me. And then beginning of 2020, which is what after my my whole year was 2019. So beginning of this year, I was like, oh my God, I feel like a brand new person. And then COVID came. Yeah. <laughs> And then COVID came, right. So,
1: first of all, amazing. I'm very proud of you guys because here's the thing. And I, I talk to adult children of divorce, so people who grew up in a divorce home. And I've talked to teenagers and, I, and currently, and I've talked to uh, co-parents that are from a divorce home that are in a divorce. And here's what I do that is my favorite thing that I do. It's called Nuts and Bolts and you basically are doing it but people can't fathom it when they're going through it my first mine wasn't my first year mine was my first two years it was two years of being an amazing actress and putting on a smile and acting as if because I didn't feel any of the things I was doing because it was terrifying and overwhelming even though I was the one who verbally was like we needed to end this it was hard Mm-hmm. And, you know, 90% of the time we get along great, 10% of the time we want to, like, murder each other. Um, <laughs> because when we get stuck in something, we remember, like, all those old feelings. Right. But what I will say is I do this thing called nuts and bolts where, say, you're sitting down with your soon-to-be ex before you've had your papers drawn up, and we do this one 90-minute session. Again, everyone fills out a form. And this is stuff that you want to bring to whoever's writing up your divorce papers that are about the shared parenting plan or the parenting plan but what what you want to put in there to make sure your children have a successful life in two homes and it's not and I've talked to like divorced family lawyers and mediators and they're like that Carly that's the stuff I don't want to deal with and I'm like that's the stuff I love dealing with and it's questions that I didn't know when I was signing my papers that I wish I would have known like you can't imagine when you're sitting there ending your marriage and like figuring out like where am I going to live how are we going to do this all these things that you need to think about ahead of time, for example my three boys really really wanted to have birthday dinners alone with what I call the OG, the original gangster family like the OG family Mm -hmm. and they didn't want anyone's partners to come, they wanted to just be their mom, their dad, and their brothers and we verbally told them absolutely but we did not put it in our document because I didn't know what I know now and then fast forward, my husband and is in a partnership with someone, a life partner, they're going to get married, who was very much against the way that we co-parent. And she was like, yeah, you're not having birthday dinners alone without me. Mm. And for four years, it became like the fight that we had, like over and over. My youngest one was really upset and would go to therapy about it and was like, please. And I wanted to let it go, move on because I don't want to have all this yuck and my son is just hurt. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I do with um, my clients is I sit there and I say, I know you can't imagine this, but one day you're going to have significant others and significant others are people who can either make things okay or make it a hundred percent worse. And if you don't have in your document and decided between the two of you what, you what your traditions are gonna be, what your standards are, then it could cause more drama than you have bargained for.
0: I asked you earlier, uh, you talked about the reasons that ultimately break up, the top three reasons that break up a marriage. Let me ask you on the flip side. What are some of the top reasons that people, besides the kids, are there other reasons that people stay in a marriage when they really shouldn't be?
1: Yes, I've done that survey too. So um, majority of women, the reason is finances because um, they, most of them stayed home to take care of the kids and they gave up their career. So they're terrified of how am I gonna afford this? Um, The other reason is that they're they're scared to be alone. That if I leave this person, what if I never find anyone and I don't wanna be alone?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Or they're afraid that like, what is everyone gonna think? And so we're Mm -hmm. making decisions based out of fear and approval and not because no one's making the decision because they love the person. They're making the decision because they, they're afraid of what's next. Yes, And as you know, right, like you're, there's no way, unless you're like a multi-jillionaire, there's no way to go through a divorce and not have your financial situation change. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. In some yeah, fashion. I mean, in some it's, fashion. It's a sure. deal.
1: It's not, it's not going to not happen.
0: Right. Unless, unless there's two people that are both working and making similar salaries in those kind of situations but that's more of the exception even that that.
1: now you're having to pay for two homes and two everything so it's still going to be like my children we change the the, our lifestyle change for the better Mm -hmm. even though on the outside it wasn't but for them they heard no a lot more they are not entitled in any way they understand that there's things that we can't afford because I don't want them to I mean, my core values never changed. I never wanted them to become those people.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, those things that you just mentioned, fear, what are people going to think about me? Uh, You you know, the finances, uh, I'm afraid to be alone. Uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I can't find anybody else, even though I, I know there's something better for me. I'm, I'm completely unfulfilled. I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, um, I've, I'm looking around to see what else is out there. I'm like completely disinterested in my partner. I'm talking about maybe from the women's perspective here. And they stay in it. They stay in it. I know so many people that fit that profile. And to me, while I don't advocate divorce, if you if you've got a foundation, and you've got a chance to right. make a, a beautiful life, I think that you should always try that first. But if you're doing that all that other stuff and you feel broken and empty inside day in and day out, and this is going on for years and years and years, like what to me that's so sad.
1: And what are you telling your children with you we are the role model of relationships and love and marriage for our children. If you don't think that that's insane, And so you're either going to walk away, the children are either going to walk away and want to have a marriage that's nothing like their parents, or they're going to walk away and think that's what marriage is. And I was, I'm raising three boys. And so for men in this society, as a feminist, I'm very aware of what I want my sons to be as husbands, whether they marry a man or a woman. And I want them to treat their partner with affection and love and attention and time and partnership. And they weren't seeing that. So they were seeing kindness, but they were seeing one person that does everything, the other person that gives very little attention to them. And and I made the decision to stay many times. And every time I made the decision to stay, I like lost a piece of myself and became sadder. And I was not as a good, not good of a parent right. because I wasn't happy. I was, and when I finally said to my therapist, cause I was not only was I going to marriage, counseling, I was going to therapy, I was doing all this work spiritually. And I said, I, I think I'm ready. And he said to me, I can't believe it's taking you this long. Wow. And I was like, what do you mean? And I've had this therapist since I was 19. And he's like, I, he said to me, Carly, I've never seen anyone work harder at trying to make a marriage work than, I, than you. I can't believe it took you this long. Because I said to my husband at the time, you know, six years earlier, in that therapist's office, I can stay with you. And I can make this work for the rest of our lives. I will put my head down. I will do the work. I will take care of the stuff. I will be lonely and I will be a good wife. But I want you to know a price will be paid. Mm. And he didn't seem to, to register it. And our therapist said, like, do you understand what she's saying? And he didn't. he's like, she's, she's saying she'll stay, but she's going to close her heart to you. Because she can't stay with her heart open and keep getting hurt.
0: You mentioned... Uh you mentioned feminist, so elaborate a little bit. What what exactly you say as a feminist, so I, I assume that that's how you identify. So tell us, how do you define feminist?
1: Such a good question. I mean, I just, it's so basic. It's just like, A, I think that women and men should get the same equal rights, which we don't, and B, I am raising three boys that are gonna become men, and I do not, it is my responsibility. You know when someone, when a dude is older, you might not know this because you're a guy, but when a guy's older, if a girl's dating him, woman's dating him, and something's wrong, and they complain about it to their friends or their parent or their mom, the first thing they say is that their their mother did a real job on them because they always landed on the mother. Like, their mom didn't raise them properly. So I have a mixed bag for my feminism. It's not... Typical. I still want my boys to be chivalrous. I want them to open doors. I want them to be gentlemen. We watch all those reality shows, and we watch grown men called grown women chicks and girls, and I'm like, guys, those are not chicks or girls. They're grown women. You called them women. So we talk about that. We talk about um, how we don't use the word pussy as a derogatory term, like when guys are like, oh, he's such a pussy, because pussies are awesome and beautiful and life-giving and sexual and strong. And that's not what they're really saying. They're saying, like, oh, you're so weak. Right. So we talk about all those things. So I'm, like, a mixture of I want my boys to be chivalrous and to be gentlemen and to be partners. But I also want them to understand that, like, women have a totally different path than they do because of our society. And they need to, like, be aware of that and be good humans to them.
0: So you define feminists as uh, being a good parent that teaches their kids respect. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, that's pretty, the, pretty much, much what I mean, you say.
1: You know it. I'm yeah. I, I went to Ohio University, and I remember I was working at Goodfellas Pizza, and the drunk, it was Father's Weekend. So all the drunk dudes are coming with their drunk fathers, and I'm making nothing, and they're buying pizza slices for a dollar, and the drunk fathers are yelling at me, will you take off your shirt to serve me that pizza? And the dudes are laughing with their fathers. Where do you think they learned that, right? So it's my responsibility as their parent to tell them, how we treat women and not just women everybody we talk about it with race gender sexual preference all of it because it's my responsibility
0: right yeah that's uh that's interesting um, can i ask your question please
1: if you don't want to share you're welcome to not share but what are you what were your like generic main reasons why your marriage didn't work
0: you know what? There it, it, it wasn't really anything specific. The sexual intimacy part was fine, completely. I mean, that was never an issue. Um, I think it was just, if I had to put it into just a generic general term, it was two people that grew apart over the course of time. And uh, we came together. We were both very young. Um, I think I was like in my mid-20s, and my wife was like 21. Yeah. And, uh... And it was just, you know, it's like one day at a time growing apart yeah. and you don't, you don't realize it. It's a little piece of the puzzle and a little piece of the puzzle and a little, and then next thing you know, you look back, it's like, where's the puzzle? You know?
1: Because you're and, not it, taking care of it.
0: Because you're not taking care of it or you're you're ignoring it. You're just thinking it's going to, you know, uh, you know, maybe she's thinking I'm doing something wrong or I, I'm thinking she's going to come back and be the same person. you guys have discussions
1: about it during the marriage, like when it wasn't working?
0: we would at times yeah we would at times we talk about it and and then you, you know we, we would we would i would think that we'd fix it i never thought it was anything that systemic right and and i don't know if she did or not but it was just like looking back at it it was just um it was just two people growing apart and getting to different places it's almost like just not the same anymore like not the same. Yeah, and, but do you know uh, what's
1: so interesting? Because you have kids.
0: Yeah, three three so, gr- I actually have three girls. You have three boys. So. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah. So could you imagine if your middle daughter came up to you and she's like, Dad, I'm not feeling connected to you and I'm feeling really sad. What would you do?
0: Well, that would that would be heartbreaking. I mean I would right. I would be Would you
1: have like a few couple of days together and be done?
0: No, that's a good point. It takes more right. than just right. Yes. And I was
1: thinking about it when you were saying that, when is our kid? we would be like, oh my God. And we would transform our lives to accommodate building that relationship, not just for a couple of months, but for our life, we would do everything we could to show up in a different way. Mm -hmm. It gives me like chills talking about it. But when it's our partner, there's this underlying assumption, we're married, this is what happens when you're married, everyone goes through this, we'll figure it out, or now they seem okay, so we're okay.
0: Right. Right. We that's, would never yes. do that.
1: We do it also with our spiritual growth. And it was interesting what you're talking about before we started, like what your whole podcast is about, because I was looking at all your topics. They're really all about growth and change and transformation and really being awake to that. And I always talk about this concept when it comes to spiritual growth, like how old is your middle child? She's eight. Okay. So second grade, third grade?
0: Uh third, yes.
1: So she's a third grader and here's the concept that i always express if your daughter's teachers contacted you and her mom and said that your daughter were really concerned about her she's reading at a kindergarten level Mm -hmm. you would get an iep you would get a tutor you would be on her every day not in a mean way but like you would be helping her read you'd be doing all sorts of things you'd be meeting on a regular basis to make sure that she was improving if in fifth grade she was still reading at a second grade level i mean you would just keep showing up and making sure she was growing, but we don't do that in our marriage, and we don't do that for our spiritual growth. We just think that whatever we did in the beginning, which we don't even do anymore in the marriage, because we have kids and life and bills, we don't do anything to grow.
0: Mm, that's that's so powerful. That's so true. Right? I mean, looking back at it, that's probably where we that's probably where we you know fell short. Where yeah, we would same. We would, we would we would put the band-aid on and things would be fun again and we'd be having right. fun and you know oh it's crazy and hectic with the kids and but we would never so we would keep we would kind of keep our heads above water but we were never doing anything to accelerate just the two of us you know right. and that's exactly, that's where we because fell because short it's,
1: oh, the, you know the concept is always about like how to take care of the kid we gotta give the kids the best life that they can and you know I I one of the um, people that I have totally been inspired by was uh, Ruhi and Rabbi Kovell, who ran um, a Jewish organization that I used to go to um, when my kids were little. And they talked about this concept of marriage, which was totally opposite of what I was doing, where they said there's a, like, a mixing bowl, and that's your family, your kids. And then there's a glass in the middle, and that's supposed to be the marriage, the partnership. What we do wrong is we pour water in the mixing bowl and hope it gets into the cup, into the glass. Mm. And it's supposed to be the other way around. You're supposed to pour the energy, the water, the focus, the attention into the glass while also taking care of the family and then spill that love and partnership over to the family. And we were not doing that. We were just taking care of the kids and the wife and the house, barely, you know, making it money, everything. And then once in a while, we throw like a drop of water into the glass and hope it was sustainable.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's, you know, that's it right but there. So, but
1: here's the thing, though. I want to I hit on this is, so let's say the marriage is not going to work regardless of the reason why the divorce happens, whether it's infidelity, just regular growing apart. Nobody wants a divorce because it's who wants it. But then you're in it, right? So then you're in it. And what I truly believe, and that's why I waited so long to find what like my passion was for my life. I truly believe that we can change generations of families by changing the way we divorce. Because I've spoken to so many people who not just the kids were hurt by the way the parents behaved, but then they hurt friendship relationships as they were growing up. And then anyone they dated, they hurt because their their you know scars were so fresh and they would push people away or they would behave how they saw their parents behaving. And then they would get married and do the same thing, and they would do it to their kids. And then those kids, the grandkids of the divorce, they would have the same trauma, generational trauma, of growing up in a divorced family because grandma and papa won't be in the same room for my birthday, they won't be in the same room for this wedding, they won't. Be, they hate each other. They talk, you know, in that kind of stuff, that petty stuff, causes trauma. And I truly believe if people behave the way you and your ex are behaving the way me and mine are, by putting aside our own stuff and showing up and being good humans, that you don't have to cause unnecessary emotional trauma for your kids.
0: We just circled right back to the beginning when I asked you why does the word divorce have such a negative connotation.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And that's it, right? And that's exactly what you It really is. And yeah. do you know
1: the number one reason why people are horrible when they get divorced? Why is it? They're selfish.
0: Yeah, it's ego, right?
1: It's, yeah, they're not willing to get rid of their crap So when people work with me and they hire me for my boot camp, my North Star divorce boot camp, it is work, like a lot of work. In the first two sessions, I make them go through all the things they're angry about and all the things they're afraid about that have to do with that marriage and divorce. And we get rid of them. We block it. Like we remove the hoarding of that hallway. And then we focus on the kind of life that they want for their kids and for themselves going forward because it's not about the past. They always want to talk about that story well he did this or she did that it's over like let's move exactly forward, right yes
0: yes yes what's done is done let's it's make done. it and, you know i make
1: <laughs> them do this I'm, I'm a writer so i always make people write so i make them do this really uncomfortable two-part exercise and it's i think it's transformative so these are people who just walked through with the resentment and the fear inventory to get rid of their stuff and now they're blank and nauseous and they're like now what and I'm like, okay, so this is what you have to do. That Your next assignment for our next session is you need to write a letter. So how old is your oldest daughter? She's
0: 10. She's in fourth grade.
1: Okay, yeah. so you've got your three daughters. You need to write a letter from them as if they were 34, 32, and 30, or however the age difference is. And you need to write one letter from each daughter to you if you don't change your behavior about their mom, if you don't stop talking negatively about her, if you don't keep putting her in the middle, if you are not willing to show up to my events... Or be in the same room if you're talking about money all the time and how you don't have any you know, you're just like her doing all that stuff for the next twenty years, they're gonna write a letter to you telling you as it from their adult voice what it was like to grow up in that house with that marriage, the stress that they felt when they got engaged, because their first thought was, How am I gonna do this with my parents? So you write that letter, and these are people that are already currently not like not in a good place. Yeah. Yep. And then they read it to me. And I'm like, how was that? They're like, that was miserable. And I say, that was the ghost of Christmas past. Now you're going to write a ghost of a Christmas future for our next session. Same thing, but they have to write a letter as if they did a Nora started divorce. Mm-hmm. As if they showed up to things, as if they did ice cream together once in a while. If they did a family meeting,
0: you know, every couple of months. And being flexible. I think being flexible. And then flexible. I say to them after that,
1: how was that letter? And they're like, that was so much better. And I said to them, you get to choose which letter you're going to get in 20 years.
0: And, and that's that's, yeah, that's eye-opening. And I think flexibility, too, is got to yes. be part of a North Star divorce because that's one area where her and I, my ex and I have been, like, I would say almost flawless when it comes to flexibility, flexibility and changing the schedules just to yeah. accommodate because cause it's not black and white. And white.
1: Right? So I, I think you just hit it. So the yeah. three things that you need to have this concept and to be successful is to respect the other person, that includes their boundaries, to be flexible with schedule. Because nothing is more unpleasant than when someone's like, "No, that's my day," and you're like, "But I have a work thing, and I really need your help." Right. And when they're like that, they're they're trying, they're mad, they're mad at you, and so they're not willing to be flexible. And right. then just kindness.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's been huge for us. I mean, I, I we literally never have, we've never had an issue in the last two years with flexibility and changing schedules. It's it's been great. You
1: guys are like. Rockstar A students. I make my um, clients, they have to, one of the things they always have to do is they have to buy a Father's Day or Mother's Day present with the kids for their other parents. Um, They have to make cards for their birthdays. They have to call and send videos for anything like that. Because it's not about them. It's about showing their kids, we show up for your mom or your dad and we are good people and we are nice no matter what they do or don't get back.
0: Yeah, exactly. Listen, this is somebody that you had a, a life with yeah, you, you know, wanted to be with them like,
1: forever. You made children together. Yeah,
0: like that. Okay, it it wasn't meant to be. There comes a lot of roadblocks and challenges and uphill at times. Listen, it hasn't been perfect by any stretch of the imagination, even in the last two years. But uh, the, the, you know, the, the, you guys, you guys cared about each other, and you guys are forever connected through this. Through the you know these if kids. Here's the reality: created.
1: just because you're divorced and living in two different homes, doesn't mean life's not going to hit you guys in the face. Yeah. One of our kids, God forbid, could get. You know, terminally ill, could have an alcohol or drug addiction problem, could have a problem in school, or something horrible happened to them. Absolutely. We need to be able to come together as their parents yes. and show up. And if we can't even be in the same room because we're stuck in our old stuff, then how are we going to be useful to them as their parents?
0: And I got to tell you, on a, a little bit of a, um, like, another collateral piece to this is from my own, my own experience, like I get a chance, I've gotten a chance to start over at a much different place in my life. In my late thirties, I've established myself in my career. I'm, I know life now like so much differently than I did at twenty four, twenty five. Like I said before, and I get to go out and, and get a, a fresh start, quote unquote, with all these different tools now at my disposal, and different experiences, and a different thought process and mind. And it's allowed me in my current relationship with you know that I'm in right now. It's allowed me to be like, I get to do this. I get to get like a fresh start and, and be even better. Yes. I get to be even better and be more conscious of the things that I maybe fell short on at times or that we didn't have for whatever reason in our dynamic in my marriage. I get to have these things now. And it's been, I got to tell you, I mean, it's it's been great. I mean, it's been and so much fun. And you
1: to go slow down, right? Like, I feel like in our 20s, there's so much pressure to like make everything come together. We get to slow down now because we don't have to, like, get married and have babies. Like, we, we get to be really mindful about the partners that we choose and who we bring into the lives of our children. So, like, one of the things I always say, and, and not, you know, to make it gender specific, but unfortunately, it is usually men that, uh, with a woman that they're now dating, mm-hmm. is I say to them, a warning red flag for you is if the woman that you're dating is one of two things, is not respectful of your co-parenting relationship, So, like, I tell the men, because I work with some men that I tell them before they... I also work with a woman who does dating after a divorce for men, for dads. And I say to them, you need to be very, very selective about who you're about to bring into your children's lives. And you need to tell them from the beginning, like, date two. I want you to know that I have a good relationship with my co-parent and my kids and I and her get together for these occasions, and I never want there to be an issue, and that would never have anything to threaten you in our relationship, but that's a non-negotiable. Sure. And what that that says to a woman is this man is respectful about his co-parent, cares about their kids, and is not willing to deal with drama. And if the woman has an issue with that, bye. And then the other thing is, If a woman is pressing, or a man, is pressing to meet your kids before you're ready, and is making it about them, and oh, you don't trust me, and you don't think I'm good enough, also goodbye. Yeah. Because if you can't respect your timeline for what you know about your kids, then that's not going to be a good relationship.
0: Yeah, that was huge for me, to bring in uh, my current girlfriend into my life, to ultimately introduce her to the... For me, the, the introduction to the kids was a really big, big step and that goes back quite a while now but that was did like did you
1: and your co-parent discuss that beforehand
0: no no well she
1: didn't know that you were introducing her no um was it an issue or she I don't was a think so
0: no cause she's been a, she's been in a, a relationship so it's it, it was easier. a non-issue it was a and non-issue and then
1: how are you with the person that she's in a relationship
0: with he, fantastic I mean, he's That's so nice. he's a very nice, nice. I mean, it's it's. Listen, I don't want to make it sound like this is like Candyland or right. all this. It comes with some challenges. I have not but, yeah. um, in
1: that area, but. I will always show up and suck it up and smile. Mm. Like, I will... My dream is that we have a massive table, a bunch of tables together when our kids are grown up and everybody brings their everybody and you yeah. bring your person and my person yeah. and we all suck it up and get together for Thanksgiving and laugh because who cares? It's two hours.
0: Yeah, and listen, yes. we you, You know what? When you're able to move on and you're truly yeah. at peace with moving on, everything's fine. Yeah. It's the ones that hold on to resentment or that are... That let the ego stuff get in the way for whatever reason. Make it a, pr- a pride they issue. They get
1: bitter and unhappy and yeah. they make themselves sick. And I have a client that I've been working with and she's been post-divorced a number of years. And when I showed her that she has a choice, that she doesn't have to live like this, that she can choose a different way, she feels like she could breathe. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of energy to be angry.
0: It does. It does. So, I mean, I mean you know, for me it's like... People ask me all the time, like, "How has it been?" And I've got people that come and, you know, of course, once you get divorced, then other people start reaching out to you and they start they're asking like you questions. Wafer. Yeah, they're like, hey, "Hey, keep this on the down low, but uh, I need a little advice on this." Or, you know, some of my, some guys that I might know, you know, throughout the community. Um, but for me, it's been an amazing experience. Like I said, uh, the divorce was was very challenging at, at times, but it's turned out to be great for both of us. And uh, I'm in this new relationship. I'm reborn, restart, refresh, and I'm I, I couldn't be happier. So it's. it's but I want to say
1: one thing, so no one thinks that we're like selling cotton candy. Right, right. There is no such thing as going through this process and being a divorced parent, even when you're working your ass off and having what me and you have, without having sadness and loneliness and times where you're like. I hate being the only person that's no person here at this event. I hate that I don't have a partner in this house to deal with these three at this moment while one is sick, you know what I mean? So there is no fantasy land that we're painting here that this is just cotton candy and rainbows.
0: No, I agree, Carly. And just to piggyback off of that, I will say for anyone listening that's, that thinks that that's what I'm getting to, I'm not mentioning the fact that it was a cold, dark October night when I came back from out of town, we planned this and uh my wife at the time was moving out of the house while we were getting separated and uh being with somebody for twelve years and ten years of marriage or nine years of marriage and kids and I go away on a business trip and I come back and I come home to an empty house, which was planned, we had it all coordinated, but that feeling and my kids are gone and that first night and those Following months, October, November, December, it's getting dark early, yep. and I'm and I'm my head. I'm in a, the foggiest state of mind as we're yep. leading up to our divorce. Those are some really, really brutal moments. So I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like this is the way to go. But right. you, know, you got to. I mean, that's you get I say.
1: It. I say, look, if you have any part of you that both wants to make this work, work your asses off. I'm not a divorce advocate. I believe in marriage and love and partnership. But I also believe that question that we brought back is would you want your marriage for your children? And if the answer is no, that doesn't mean you have to leave. That means then fight and make it a better marriage.
0: Yeah, yes. Right?
1: But if they both don't want to do it, then you have to look, unfortunately, down this road. And it's not all sunshines and rainbows. And even if you have, like, so just to to tell you, we finally did get on the same page and we had our first birthday dinner, all five of us together in November. And I cannot even tell you how happy our boys were And we just, I mean, it's COVID. We're in a mask at Market Hall, Van Eken, you know, singing with nobody else. And they were so happy just to have their two favorite parents in the same room. But just so everyone hears, if you're in that situation, even if you're doing it all well, one of you has to go home alone and doesn't get to tuck in your birthday child. Yes. And that sucks.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And that's part
1: of the reality. Like I, I always tell people that are in that place of what should I do, I'm like, I will never tell you what to do. And just because I'm working really hard to make this good doesn't mean there's not really painful moments.
0: Yeah, that's beautifully put and well said. Uh, wrapping up, uh, I know you've got a podcast in your corner, divorce, um, which we'll link up in the show notes. And and how do people reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you?
1: Uh, The best way to contact me is either to follow me on Facebook at Carly Israel or to email me at InYourCornerCoach at Gmail. And you can also check out my new memoir, Seconds and Inches, which definitely has this part of the story in it. Um, I am here for anybody that wants help. I truly believe if you're at the place where you either don't know what to do or you do know what to do and you want help, that the best thing you could possibly do is as you walked into the marriage as a team, you walk out of the marriage as a team, and the money you will spend will be so much less and the energy you will spend will be so much less if you really do it in a very mindful way.
0: That's perfect. And for anyone that does reach out to you or that wants to contact you, I assume this is all 100% confidential.
1: Yes, I do not post that we discussed on Facebook.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> yeah, I beautiful. i i <laughs> Hey, uh, Carly, thank you so much. Very insightful. uh, This was
1: awesome. It was worth waiting to get in touch.
0: It was. It was. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. You too. We'll stay in touch. Thanks, Carly.
1: Have a great
0: one. You too.